When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of E2C Network, where we share the whole Auburn experience. Hello, and welcome to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast that is looking for riders to record an intro message like this one. I'm your host, Auburn Elvis. Let's talk about some college equestrian. So, yes, um, I put out a word probably a little late in the weekend to get some more riders who wanted to record the welcome intro, so... What we're going to do going forward is basically, one, I'll try to contact people that I'm looking for uh, earlier in the weekend, but I'll just say that if anybody is interested, you just send me a link saying, hello, this is whatever type of writer you are, my name, and you're listening to War Horses, the only podcast hosted by Auburn Elvis. Thank you very much. Uh, You can be as formal or as silly as you want. Just be yourself and it'll be great. My email is auburnelvis at gmail.com. So just send in those sound clips and you'll likely make it on the show. Uh, You don't even have to wait for me to ask you on Instagram either. If you just want to open the show, send it in and I'll probably use it. Now let's do some meat recaps. The big meat this week was TCU at Baylor on Friday. But before we get into that recap, let's take a listen to what the national media was saying about this meat going into it. Baylor did not look great against Oklahoma State. TCU is undefeated, so when you look at those two things alone, I think you have to go with the Horned Frogs. It's at Baylor, though, so I think it's probably going to be a little bit closer than uh, it otherwise would be, certainly closer than that Baylor OSU meet was. I still like TCU, and I think they'll probably win by about four or five points. Man, who was that guy, and what was he thinking? Anyway, all right, so the meet got going with fences and horsemanship running simultaneously. Baylor would pull ahead by a few points, and then TCU would come back and make it close again. Then Baylor would get out a little bit more, and then TCU would jump back and come close again. Uh, basically, fences went 3-2 to two for Baylor, and horsemanship was split 2-2. Two to two. That created a 5-4 to four lead for Baylor at the half. Now, this was a very good result for Baylor, considering that the two remaining events, Baylor figured to be really good in reigning, and uh, TCU's flat results so far this year have not been super great. Well, the flat got going first after the break, and here's where Baylor just went for the jugular. The Bears swept the flat 5 to nothing. They earned enough points right there to win the whole darn meet, regardless of what ended up happening in reigning. But since this show is about all four events, I'll just go ahead and tell you here's what happened in reigning too. TCU actually won that event 3-2, to two, but like I just said, it did not matter. So, the final score of the meet was 12-7, to seven, Baylor. This was a big win that the Bears really needed after last week's thumping at Oklahoma State. And for TCU, while this wasn't a great day for them, they can still, you know, clean up some flat scores and stuff like that. They'll be right there in the hunt for the Big 12 title, just like they were last season. In hindsight, maybe we should have seen this result coming since TCU had struggled some on the flat, 
but at least I did get the margin of victory right in my projection. I just had the wrong team winning. <laughs> okay. This result also makes for a very interesting early Big 12 picture with Oklahoma State in first at uh, 1-0, Baylor in second place at 1-1, TCU in third place at 0-1, and Fresno State in a super position until its conference results can be observed. That was a Schrodinger's cat joke for all you non-quantum physicists out there. On to our next meet. Uh, We're going to recap Sweetbriar at Sacred Heart. Now, last week, Sweetbriar did some particularly unsweet things to Dartmouth, and they looked to do pretty much the same thing to the Pioneers this week. The day began with equitation on the flat, and Sweetbriar took all the dang points. This was a five-on-five meet, so right out of the gate, the Sacred Heart was in a five-to-nothing hole. In the second half, the Pioneers did manage to win a single point. Shout out to uh, Mackenzie Hamilton for that. Uh, but the other four points went to the Vixen. So add all that up, and it was a whopping 9-1 to victory for Sweetbriar. This re- result uh, confirms what we expected from these two teams. Sweetbriar continues to look like a top single-discipline program uh, up there with Lynchburg, and Sacred Heart looks like they'll be lower down the totem pole in the mix down there with Suwannee, Dartmouth, and Bridgewater. Moving right along, we have UT Martin at Auburn. Now, this one figured to be a comfortable Auburn win, but lately, who can really say what we're going to get from teams uh, when they get out there and they actually ride these things? So, now I actually can tell you what we're going to see because it already happened. It was a comfortable win for Auburn. The day started with equitation on the flat, which Auburn took 4-1. to one. Then things got going and raining, and Auburn won that 3-2. to two. So, right there at the half, um, with the two weakest events out of the way for Auburn, the Tigers had the 7-3 lead over UT Martin. But then Auburn just kept on pouring it on. Fences started up, and uh, everybody at Auburn in an Auburn jacket basically went home uh, as a winner. The, they got five points in the event, and that put Auburn over uh, the, the, the point of no return in the victory margin. And uh, they still had horsemanship still to go in that final event. Again, we saw Auburn dominate. They took it 4-1. to one. So, adding it all up, the final score was Auburn 16, UT Martin 4. Now, the big takeaway here is that that upset loss that Auburn had to UC Davis, it might have been just an anomaly. We expected UT Martin to be about the second best team in the ECAC. Um, Of course, until they face UC Davis, we won't know that for sure. Uh, It does certainly seem like SMU is the favorite in that conference this season, and uh, we got to wait until Davis and Martin face off against each other, and neither one of them have faced off against SMU before we know everything for sure, but right now that's kind of what we think we know. Moving right along, Bridgewater College at Suwannee. Going into this one, I figured Suwannee would have the advantage. Uh, They looked good at the end of last season, and while it wasn't too current on how their roster turned over from last year, since they really only had that one season in the NCAA, it was at least technically possible that all of their riders from last year could have returned this year if they wanted to. And based on that thin logic, I picked the Tigers over Bridgewater. That logic uh, did not look great in the beginning, I will admit that. The first event was equitation on the flat. And Bridgewater took that one of uh, 3-1. to one. So right there, it seemed like the Eagles were the stronger one. Uh, but the second half, Swanee came roaring back. Uh, they swept fences. They avoided having to go to a tiebreaker. They just won the whole meet outright, 5-3. to three. This was a big win for the Tigers. This was their first NCEA home meet. And they now have a perfect home record. Of course, that means it only goes down from here. But there you go, Tigers. 
Now let's take a look at Texas A&M and Georgia. Now, as you recall, I had some ideas on how this meet would go as well, and since I talked to you about how wrong I was on that TCU-Baylor prediction, let's hear how I did on this one. The Bulldogs lost a close one to Auburn two weeks ago, and the Aggies beat the heck out of South Carolina that same weekend. So, on paper, this one favors the Aggies. But I'll say that both teams have an even amount of talent, uh, I think Georgia is going to win at home, actually. All right, so there. I think they're going to pull off the big upset. Um, it's probably going to be a one-point win or maybe even a tiebreaker in the decision, but I'm going ahead and calling the upset for Georgia. Okay, so not so bad. That That sounds like a very smart and handsome gentleman. And, you know, more folks ought to help that guy out and record some opening intros for his podcast because he seems quite knowledgeable. Anyway, uh, I was trying to keep an eye on this uh, meet while the Auburn one was going on. This meet started with points coming in from fences and horsemanship at the same time. Uh, The first five points of the meet went to Georgia. So right there, this was a good sign for the Bulldogs' upset chances. Uh, Fences ended up being a 2-2 split in points, but horsemanship went 5-0 for Georgia. And I'll just tell you, Anytime you have a team get swept in something, they usually lose. It is very rare to come back from being swept in an event in this sport. So, based on me telling you that, I'm either foreshadowing the ending or I'm setting you up for a big plot twist in the end. Let's find out which one. So the halftime score was 7-2 in favor of Georgia, with Equitation on the flat coming up next. And here's where the Aggies started making their comeback. Texas A&M took the event 3-2, which made the current score 9-5. The next Bulldog point was going to give them the victory, though, because we did have that tie earlier on. So all you got to do is get to 10 and you win. On to reigning we go. The first point went to A&M. The second point was another tie. So now Georgia is at that uh, nine-point threshold that they will at least get a tiebreaker decision. If they get one more point, they've won. But you don't want it to be a a tiebreaker, so you want at least that one more point. The next point of uh, reigning went to A&M. And so did the next point as well. So with one ride remaining, it was either going to end up in a tie and then we'd do the tiebreaker math or Georgia was going to win the point and it would be a win. And so on to that last ride it went and it went to Georgia for the win. But I'm just going to tell you that last ride was decided by a half point in the score. And I went back and ran the numbers if it had gone to A&M, and if the A&M rider had won by a point and a half, if that had been the margin of victory for her, then they would have had a tie overall, and they would have had enough points in the tiebreaker formula that they would have won the meet overall. So we almost had a very, very close come-from-behind win, but we did not have that. Instead, we just had your average, ordinary Georgia meet with no drama whatsoever. So, yeah. Uh, The impact of this uh, no-drama meet is that Auburn maintained sole possession of first place in the SEC standings with their 1-0 conference record. A&M and Georgia are tied for second at 1-1 each, and South Carolina is kind of at the back there in fourth place with an 0-2 record right now. So now, let's take a break. When I come back, I'm going to give you previews of the upcoming meets. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Okay, we are back. Now, let's do our meet previews. Friday is going to be a big day in the NCEA. We have four meets happening, so let's get right into it. First off is South Carolina at UT Martin. Now, my initial reaction is that the Gamecocks should win this. But this is at UT Martin, and we've seen that these road meets are not easy these days. So the Skyhawks could win this one. The Gamecocks have looked vulnerable in horsemanship, uh, and the Skyhawks have looked vulnerable over fences. So basically, whichever team takes advantages of of those two events is probably going to win this. I think it's probably going to be South Carolina. I think it'll be kind of close, but that the Gamecocks will probably have enough talent to win by a point or two. Next, we have Oklahoma State at TCU. So this is probably the big meet of the week. Oklahoma State lost at home to SMU, then they rebounded at home against Baylor, but now they got to go on the road. And we're going to see if they can get that road victory against a TCU squad that just lost to Baylor. And that was the same Baylor team that OSU kind of destroyed. But again, road victories are looking hard to come by this year, so it probably won't be easy for the Cowgirls. In their loss to SMU, Oklahoma State was nickel and dimed all day. They never got too far ahead, and when they did falter a little bit on the flat, the Mustangs were right there to take advantage of it. The downside for TCU is that their flat team has only won a majority of their points in one meet, and that was against Delaware State, which isn't one of the stronger teams on their schedule. So I'm not sure TCU is going to be able to take advantage of stuff like that. I think Oklahoma State wins this one by about one or maybe two points. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it'll be kind of close. But if the flat goes really heavily against TCU, then it might actually be a blowout. We'll see. Next, we have two meets in a three-team tri-meet over at UC Davis. The Aggies host South Dakota State and Georgia this weekend. Now, actually, normally when we see these California road meets come together, uh, we, we always also see the road teams try to get out to Fresno State either the day before or the day after they, they ride against UC Davis, but Georgia and South Dakota State aren't doing that. So anyway, so this first meet, we have South Dakota State at UC Davis. Now, based on how strong the Aggies looked against Auburn, I'm picking them to beat uh, their ECAC foe in this one. We don't have a lot of data on the Jackrabbits so far this season. They blitzed Minnesota Crookson two weeks ago, but I'm not sure that's a great barometer for how good their overall talent is. I think UC Davis probably wins this one by four or five points, maybe even more. The other California meet we can look at on Friday will be uh, South Dakota State versus Georgia. So what's a nice way to put this? Um, The... You know, your bigger schools, they typically travel with all the riders, even to these away meets. So what we're probably going to end up seeing is that Georgia will use some of those lesser known riders and they're still going to win this one pretty handily. Uh, We're going to see some Bulldogs make their way into the saddles that we probably haven't heard their names called before. That'll be great. I still think we're looking at an impressive win, probably something like 14 to 4 if it's a five rider meet or 12 to 3 if it's a four rider meet. Then, on Saturday, we are going to have three more meets to preview. First, Bridgewater at Dartmouth. Now, I've been dogging Dartmouth a little bit in the podcast these last couple of weeks, but this is their moment to shine. They've had several meets uh, to get ready and get into form. They're hosting this one. So if they're going to win a meet this season, it is either going to be this one against Bridgewater or it's going to be the one next week against uh, Sacred Heart or at Sacred Heart. And since road meets are kind of hard, I'm going to basically say this is probably all or nothing for the Big Green. That might be a little harsh, but this ain't equitation over feelings, (laughs) you know. 
I think this one's going to be really close. It's either going to be a 4-4 to tie, maybe a 5-5 to tie, depending on how many riders they're doing. And I think Bridgewater would get the tiebreaker. They just, they'll probably get, basically, they'll just barely squeak out a win. I think it's going to be close, but I'm, I'm picking the Eagles on this one. But maybe the, maybe the green will, will shock the world. We'll see. Okay, now let's look at Lynchburg at UT Martin. Now, this could be actually kind of interesting. Um, as we've covered on the show before, Lynchburg is at the top of the single discipline teams. Um, they're getting it done mostly behind a, a really stellar fences squad. Lynchburg typically, typically gets about two or three points in these dual discipline school meets when they, they face off against one of the stronger schools. Um, the thing is, this year, UT Martin seems to be pretty strong in the jumping street. So I think the Skyhawks are going to get the overall victory, but it, it just might be closer than we would expect. I think the final score is going to be something around 6-4 to four Skyhawks. Then we have Georgia at UC Davis. So this is going to be a big test um, for the Aggies after beating Auburn. UC Davis is not going to be able to sneak up on Georgia. I think the Bulldogs will also want to prove that they could succeed where the Tigers failed. So I think they're going to beat UC Davis and maybe even by a lot. Georgia was just a little bit behind Auburn in their meeting at the beginning of the month, and I think that their win over A&M last week shows that they're still stepping up their game, and I think it's going to be Bulldogs by about four or five points. So those are all of the upcoming meets to keep an eye on. Uh, In the closing this week, I'm going to talk about the rankings. Now, I have not written a weekly rankings article this season. Mostly, it's because I've been focusing on improving my technology that I use to get my SI articles out the door pretty quickly. And also the head-to-head rider matchup graphics, I need to get those out faster. So I've been writing some some spreadsheet stuff that will churn out my stats and my graphics a little bit faster. Um, and I am hoping, though, to get uh, releasing back to releasing my own set of rankings so that you'll have something reasonable to go off to balance out the fickleness of the NCEA's weekly rankings. Because you're starting to get some weird rankings out there that just don't jive. So I need to help you all out and say, well, no, this is how things really are. So. Let's get moving in that direction. Here are my thoughts on the top 10 teams. Number one is SMU, and uh, they're number one. They they beat Oklahoma State, and with TCU's loss, they're the lone undefeated team in the sport, so they should be everybody's number one right now. So no argument there. Number two, I have Oklahoma State. The Cowgirls have that close home loss to SMU, but other than that, they've looked really good against Baylor. Uh, With pretty much all their riders coming back this year, I think they're still one of the top teams in the sport. Now, it's after those two that where things start to get a little tricky. Honestly, I feel like Auburn is the third best team in the nation. But, as I said a little while ago, this ain't equitation over feelings. So, I'm going to go off the body of work that all these teams have, and I'm putting Georgia as the number three team in the nation right now. The Bulldogs beat Baylor and Texas A&M at home, and then they lost a close one to Auburn at home. They're about to go on the road, but I think they're going to defend that number three position quite well out west. At number four, I have TCU. The Frogs beat Texas A&M in College Station, then UT Martin and Delaware State up in Delaware, before they lost a fairly close meet at Baylor. And that's not a bad loss. It just isn't quite as good as Georgia's loss to Auburn is, so number four seems to be a good fit for TCU. Now, at number five, I have Auburn. The Tigers have the worst loss of any of these top teams, and I almost put them down into six because of that, but at the end of the day, I gave them a slight bump over the team below them because Auburn is the number one team in the SEC standings, and it just didn't seem right to have the number one team in the conference below two other teams in that same conference. So, 
I was tempted, though, let me tell you, I was. So that number six team is Texas A&M. So the Aggies have a pair of losses, but each was close, and one was on the road, that being Georgia. And it's really hard to slide them below Auburn, but I did it because Auburn beat Georgia, something A&M did not do. Now, obviously, A&M beat UC Davis, something that Auburn didn't do, but I guess the tiebreaker in my mind is that opening loss that A&M had to uh, TCU, who I have slotted in at number four. Is it fair to punish them for a close loss to a good team when Auburn's comparable opponent would probably be UT Martin so far? No, that is not fair, but I did not draw up these schedules, and based on the resumes that I have in front of me, I'm giving Auburn the nod over A&M, so that's why I have Auburn at five and A&M at six. Now, at number seven, I have UC Davis. It is not ideal to have the Aggies two spots below the Auburn team that they beat two weeks ago, but sometimes the transitive property just lets you down. Both teams UC Davis has ridden against so far are right above them, so this position isn't too off off from the quality of their opponents. Basically, if they continue to win, I will have no problem moving them up. But for right now, this is as high as I think they go just because they had that loss, they had that win, but the teams above them have done other stuff too. So it's all confusing and I have to put people somewhere and this is where UC Davis winds up. Number eight is South Carolina. Now the Gamecocks have beaten Baylor, which is pretty much the reason why they're still in the top eight. They lost pretty badly to Texas A&M, but if they can get a road win over UT Martin this weekend, they should remain in the top eight. Also, if you recall, the top eight teams are the ones that are going to end up going to the national championship in Ocala. So if the season were to end today, these are those top eight teams that would go into Ocala. Um, But since 10 is the traditional rankings number, I'm going to keep going and talk about two more teams that we need to keep an eye on that will be trying to jump into those top eight and make it into the postseason. Number nine is Baylor. The Bears had a nice win over TCU, but it doesn't make up for the three other losses that they have on their schedule so far. Just like Texas A&M, some of this is probably due to their schedule. They opened with three road meets. That's tough to do, but like I said, that is not my fault. And the number 10 team right now is UT Martin. The Skyhawks have beaten the teams you'd expect them to beat, and they've lost to the teams that you probably also expected them to lose to. The problem is that they are in a position where they need to start pulling some upsets if they want to keep moving up. They could not do that with Auburn, but if they can beat South Carolina this week, that would be a nice addition to their resume. So now that we've looked at the dual discipline teams, let's take a quick look at the single discipline teams. Here are their rankings as well. Number one single discipline team is Lynchburg. These ladies are for real. They won the national championship at the end of last year, and then they followed it up with a victory over Sweetbriar this season. So until anything changes, the Hornets are the team to beat. At number two, we have Sweetbriar. They dropped a spot from where they would typically sit in the rankings. They need to shore up their fences a little bit. Uh, They want to beat Lynchburg, but against everybody else, they're doing just fine. Number three is Sewanee. With SUNY New Paltz not competing this year, the Tigers have risen into the third spot. This is a talented bunch that on their best day could give either of the teams above them a really tight meet. And number four is Bridgewater College. They don't have a win yet, but they looked really good against Suwannee, so I think they're the fourth best team right now. And that is the cutoff line for the national championship, but right below Bridgewater would be Dartmouth and then Sacred Heart. Both of those teams will need to improve a fair amount or just have an explosive postseason if they want to get to Ocala. And we'll keep you up on how that season continues. Just follow me on Twitter or Instagram as I try to bring all the unique insight that a nationally renowned expert wearing a homemade Elvis costume can. 
And that's all for this episode of War Horses. I'm your host, Auburn Elvis. So thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.